welcome to Play by Players, an MLSBA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Play by Players. We are joined today by a 15-year career veteran of MLS and the U.S. men's national team. He's played over 300 professional games, scored over 20 goals uh, with 65 assists. That puts him in the uh, top bracket of assist leaders all time in MLS. He's played eight games for the U.S. men's national team. He is a Gold Cup winner, a Supporter Shield winner, a two-time U.S. Open Cup champion, a two-time Canadian champion, he was uh, part of the MLS Best 11. He's been an MLS All-Star. He has a silky left foot. He's fast as can be. Uh, he can embarrass you on any given play. Please welcome to the podcast, Justin Mapp. How's, how's it going? Man, it's uh, it's good to see you. I know uh, I know you you retired and you've you've moved on to uh, really stay in the game. But um, you know, I, I was really excited when you agreed to do this for a variety of reasons, but uh, tell us where you are now and how everything's going. Uh, everything's going well. Yeah, I'm back in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I'm from, grew up, born and raised. Uh, moved back here in 2018 uh, after retiring um, and started my own little academy. So I work with players from all around the Jackson area, uh, different clubs, um, and certain players throughout Mississippi in general that come in to see me. So a lot of small group stuff, uh, kids from all ages, boys and girls. So it's been fun just trying to stay connected to the game and, uh, you know, just trying to do my part. So, yeah, I always said, uh, I, I always joke around with my friends. I always said, if, you know, what if I told you the closest thing America has produced to a, a Lionel Messi came out of the, this great state of Mississippi and, um, People are always people are always uh, kind of like, are you being serious? And I said, I said, yeah, but uh, and and total honesty with everyone. I'm very biased here. Uh, I have a ton of family from Mississippi, specifically from Jackson, from Brandon and Madison. Um, and I used to go to Jackson all the time to visit my family. And I know you were a member or at least you participated some in the Reservoir Soccer Program. And I used to eat every trip I go there at Cock of the Walk uh, right there on the uh, on the reservoir. And so I say they got the best hush puppies in the state of Mississippi. So uh, it's kind of funny. My family was a fan of Justin Mapp and MLS before they were a fan of Bobby Boswell and MLS, which uh, you, know, you know how Mississippians are. They, they love their own more than uh, anyone else, I feel like. So uh, I'm a little biased, but um, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why. Um, but let's start back with with Brandon, Mississippi. That's where you you really started. And, um, you know, you you had to be the only guy playing uh, professional soccer out of Mississippi. And that's got to be quite an honor. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Mississippi, very, uh, I guess, your typical southern sports, traditionally football, baseball, very big. Um, obviously, there was recreational soccer which you know how you know most of us get our start five six years old and um you know not not a lot of knowledge of the game at that time back in the late 80s early 90s so a lot of parents helping us out um you know not really just really just 
getting us out there moving around. Um, and then kind of got a little bit older, 11, 12, and um, I guess was very fortunate. There was a group of Trinidadian uh, players that were playing at a local NAI college, Bellhaven College, um, for some of you may have heard of it, um, that were playing. They had come in from Trinidad. They started coaching kind of the local rec leagues just to make a little money. Um, and kind of got taken under the wing by a couple of them. They were my coach, uh, you know, 10, 11 years old and uh, kind of under their tutelage, uh, mentorship. Um, you know, luckily they knew the game. They come from kind of a soccer background in Trinidad, um, kind of that flair for the game, everything on the ball. Um, so I was very fortunate to get with them. I don't know how far I would have gone if my dad would have stayed my coach. Um, so uh, I was very fortunate in that regard. And, yeah, just kind of progression there. Obviously, youth national team stuff, ODP, you know, was big back then, not so much uh, these days. And, um, yeah, just kind of went from there. But, yeah, there's a couple young players playing, um, you know, one in USL and one uh, Marlon Harrison playing in Columbus. So there's been a couple players since me. But for a little while there, I was the only guy. And, uh, you know, I guess that was pretty cool honor and, you know, something that no one from my area or Mississippian – for that matter, had done. So um, I guess that was pretty cool. Yeah, and the, and the player is in uh, USL is, I think, Marcus Epps, who was yep. uh, drafted by Philly, for those that follow that that story. Um, you know, you got a little ahead of it. I, obviously, the Trinidad and Tobagan influence, um, that had to, had to have a big impact on you. Um, you know, I mean, at what point – I mean, you were so talented, um, you know, and, and so good on the ball, taking people on. I mean, at what point did you realize, uh, you know, I know we're, we're going to talk about going to Bradenton, but uh, at what point did you realize, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm pretty good at this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think somewhere around, you know, 10, 11, uh, you know, playing a couple age groups up and still, um, you know, which a lot of young kids do these days at their little head of, you know, their their peers. I'm just playing a couple age groups up, ODP. Um, you know, uh, and just, I guess, still having pretty good success against, you know, uh, kids that are two years older. Um, you know, I think I saw, yeah, I, I, obviously I love the game, um, but I think I saw, okay, I can really do something with this. And, um, you know, just kind of progressed from there. But, yeah, I think around that age, just playing up and, and still doing very well, um, you know, and even in the ODP phase playing, I was 84 playing with 83s on the regional team. Um, the Southeast region um, and still doing well. So I think I knew, you know, uh, if I progress that, you know, eventually could, uh, you know, make it somewhere. Yeah. And then, and then we talk about, um, you know, ending up in Bradenton. Um, did you end up, did you go to Northwest Rankin for a little while before yes. your high school? So I went there freshman year up until Christmas. So I guess first semester, first half of the freshman year left around right after Christmas in January um, and then went to Bradenton. Uh, and then spent two years there uh, before returning. So I left, played, uh, I think our high school season started uh, usually around here, late October, early November. So a couple months, high school soccer, um, left for Bradenton and joined, you know, U.S. soccer and residency. Um, you know, so that was kind of the, the path there. And before we get to residency, your dad was a football player, right? Did you did you just play soccer or did you play anything else? I played everything up up until probably around that time. I mean, baseball, basketball, a little bit of, I think, middle school football. Um, so a little bit of everything. I just love huge sports fan, love sports, um, you know, grew up. Parents were big American football fans. You know, college football is, you know, kind of is really big around here. 
um, baseball, everything. And, you know, obviously I excelled at soccer and, you know, that kind of became my main passion and focus eventually, but, um, you know, played all sports. And I think I, I'm a big proponent of, it. I think it helped me a lot. Uh, you know, I still love all sports today. Awesome. And, and you kind of, t- you hinted at ODP and uh, residency, uh, you, the number of games you played at the youth national team level, uh, it, either either the facts are wrong and what I researched or you played in an outrageous number of games at all levels um, building up to that. But, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about really I, I'm always curious as to being a young a young kid, you know, making the decision to go live away from your family, especially in high school, especially in Mississippi, where, um, you know, it's there are so many other sports that get a lot more, a lot more love. Um, you know, how did you decide that that was the right thing? And, and, you know, was your family, uh, all for it or were you, were you nervous? I mean, how does one end up in another state deciding to go to high school somewhere else as a freshman? Yeah, I, th- I think my parents, yeah, they're just, Hey, whatever you want to do. I mean, they were, you know, my biggest fans. And I think they realized, although not being super knowledgeable about the game at that point, you know, that this is the next best thing and best opportunity for me to progress uh, as opposed to staying in Mississippi. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, being such a spread out country, sometimes, you know, you got to make these decisions to move into better environments and, I think if I would have stayed, who knows where I would have ended up. So obviously tough leaving friends, family, and, you know, moving to a different state, new, uh, new teammates, new everything. Um, so nervous, but also, I, you know, from what I remember, at least very exciting. And, you know, to be called up by the youth national team to come live there was a pretty cool honor and um, pretty tough to say no. Although, you know, obviously tough leaving a lot behind. So, I think it was the best for me and, you know, I think it worked out, but, uh, you know, a little bit of both for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, let's talk about U-17s first. I read somewhere it's like 88 appearances for the, for the U-17s and I'm sure they combine that. I know you were one of the younger guys on that team. So maybe they're combining it all games and all appearances, but, um, you know, the really interesting part about being coached by, uh, people that are from Trinidad and Tobago is your first really big, world tournament is in Trinidad and Tobago. So um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, going down to the Island and, and competing in a world competition at a, at a young age. Yeah, it was pretty, odd. obviously that was kind of the culmination of residency to go play in a youth world cup. So, you know, at the end of our two year cycle um, playing in Trinidad and um, you know, we're down there and uh, you may have read this or whatever leading up to this, but obviously we're down there right prior to our first game. This is 2001. We're on the field training and, you know, 9-11 hits. Um, so we were actually in Trinidad when 9-11 hits, you know, these armored guards roll up, pull us off the field because we're, you know, Team USA. It's, you know, kind of under attack or no one really knows what's going on. We go back to the hotels. Uh, we're watching everything in our hotel, you know. We're not really sure what's happening. You know, they're obviously trying to protect us. You know, who knows what's going on? Um, so that was pretty wild. None of the parents had arrived yet. So obviously with the, the flights and everything, none of our parents could come. Um, we we're going to go ahead with the tournament a couple of days later. And I think they eventually got there for like our last group game. Uh, we didn't make it out of group, but they got there for our last group game, you know, maybe five or six days later. Um, but just pretty wild experience I you know obviously remember that being there when 9-11 hit um, but yeah at the same time pretty cool 
uh, like I said, I give a lot of credit to the Trinidadians for kind of teaching me soccer and, you know, to have my first youth, you know, big tournament, you know, back in their home country out of all countries it could have been in um, was pretty, pretty special as well. Yeah. And then for, for those fans, uh, you know, these world tournaments for me are just so much fun as a soccer fan because you really do have the best of the best and it's just fun to go through. Uh, the U.S. team had Tyson Wall, Eddie Johnson, Santino Claranta, uh, you had Chad Marshall, Mike McGee, Jordan Harvey, just to name a few. It was coached by John Ellinger. Um, you know, you talk about not getting out, but y'all were really in the group of death and that you played France and Nigeria, who ended up playing each other in the final. Um, yeah. So uh, pretty cool. Iniesta was there, Fernando Torres for Spain. You had Mascherano, Zabaleta, and Tevez for Argentina, which is hysterical because I feel like Tevez – He's looked like he's 38 years old for 20 years. So um, to think he was one of the youth. And then, uh, you know, you had Kenwin Jones and Julius James um, for Trinidad and Tobago, Roy Miller, Christian Bolaños for the Costa Ricans, uh, who ended up making the quarterfinals. Uh, and that was the only group out of the region. Let's fast forward. You continue playing uh, with the national team. Um, well, I, we can talk about going to the MLS, but I'd, I'd like to first just talk about the 20s next because – this isn't your first tournament. Uh, this becomes your second one, the 2003 World Youth Championships. Um, you know, and that was in the United Arab Emirates. And uh, the reason that I keep bringing up where these things are is you, t you talk a lot in your retirement and, and post things when you talk to people about uh, a kid from Mississippi going and seeing the world. And, um, you know, I just want to kind of highlight some of those places that you've been. So talk to us a little bit about going to the uh, UAE to play in another world tournament. Yeah, uh, a great experience. Uh, 2003, I believe. Um, I, you know, not touching on MLS really, but I'd just come off my first year in Chicago. We had just played in uh, MLS Cup against San Jose, flew from there straight to UAE. Um, this is late in the year. Um, lost to MLS Cup, flew there. UAE, obviously, we all got together as a team. Um, and, yeah, had a great, much better showing as a U-20 team. A lot of some of the names you just named from the 17s were on there. I think the 83s who we combined with had some pretty good players as well. Your, uh, I think Bobby Convey's, your uh, Ned Grabavoy, some other people. Um, so we had a pretty strong roster, had a couple of college guys. You know, it was still a little bit different back then. We had a few college guys mixed in. Um, which is a little different than today. Um, but we had a strong squad. I think we lost in the quarterfinals to Argentina. And I think Golden Goal had them to the very end. They tied it up and then beat us in Golden Goal. So, I mean, we were – I'm not sure what the furthest team has gone. Maybe a team has gone to the semis. I'm not sure. Um, but we were, you know, minutes away from being in the semis of a U-20 World Championship, which I feel like if it has been done by a U.S. team, not many have done it. Um, so we had a good, good team. Um, Eddie Johnson was scoring goals. Um, and yeah, we we're just all around pretty strong. Chad Marshall in the back, Ryan Cochran, I think, um, and some other big names. And I obviously get to see United Arab Emirates, you know, so we're in the Middle East, we're riding camels. And I think Thomas Rongen's our coach. He's wild as hell. Um, <laughs> just a Dutch guy riding camels. I mean, uh, I'm sure you know, you know, Thomas. Uh, um, it was a pretty cool experience. And, you know, like I said, we went pretty far. So we, we got to stay there a little longer than I did in, in Trinidad. Um, so I definitely I still remember that tournament pretty well, even, you know, 20 years later. So pretty cool. Yeah. you're. I mean, I, I'm not saying your memory would be bad, but I mean, you pretty much took all my talking points. Um, 
you know, the I think what people don't realize is the game against Argentina, uh, Mascherano scored in the 94th minute to tie the game. That ended up sending it uh, into overtime. And, um, you know, another thing there is Iniesta scored to send Spain to the finals, and they lost in the finals to Brazil. Uh, a guy named Fernandinho scored the goal to win that one. So just kind of highlighting these players that are uh, that are at these tournaments who you're competing with uh, at a young age, it's really, really cool to see where you end up and then also where some of these old other guys end up. And uh, EJ sure, did sure. get the golden shoe for, um, you know, he was tied with some guys, but I think with the assist, he got uh, the golden shoe, which is really the golden boot. Um, and obviously there was a, you're, you're going to get a lot of Canadian listeners to this because you played in Montreal. So we always want to say Canada actually made the quarterfinals of that tournament too. Um, and they had guys like Kevin Harms, Ian Hume, and Atiba Hutchinson. So um, let's rewind now. You talked about that 2003 season. That was pretty epic. Um, but let's start with MLS Project 40. People don't know what that is. You obviously come out of uh, residency. You're only there, I think, two years. And, um, you know, you sign a, a, a contract to be an MLS Project 40 player at 17 years old. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about making the decision to go pro so young. Yeah. Um, you know, you're coming out of, you know, residency agents kind of start floating around and, you know, uh, pretty quickly you have the decision go professional or, you know, go to college and, you know, yeah, you know, obviously a lot of the colleges are sniffing around some of the big schools, you know, obviously the 20 or so guys that are down in residency, um, and at that time, it was still pretty early days MLS, so not a lot of young players had really gone uh, to MLS. I think your Landons and, you know, Bees, um, and I think even before I went, the year before, Eddie Johnson, Santino Caranta had gone, um, but still it wasn't something that was, uh, had been done a ton. It's a pretty big decision, and, you know, uh, people ask me all the time, do you wish you had gone to school? And, you know, I said, I think I made the right decision at the time, but, um you know, decided to go in the draft, drafted by D.C. And um, and yeah, finished, uh, had a deal with them to let me finish my high school back in Mississippi, my last semester, and then join them um, in the, I guess, summer of 2002, I believe it was. Um, and that's kind of the path that I went from there. Um, then obviously, you know, uh, ended up in Chicago shortly after. But um, but yeah, that was it. And, you know, decided to, to go pro and take that route. And, just, I guess, continue following the dream. So, yeah, he, yeah, he was drafted fourth round. Uh, sorry, the fourth pick um, in the in the 2002 draft. Um, Ray Hudson was the coach. You didn't play a whole lot there, and then you get traded to Chicago uh, for Dima Kovalenko, who I played with. Um, that that ball of joy, um, and I say that with love in my heart. Um, but uh, you know, I joke around and I say there's certain things that always date guys and you were in the league before Adidas had the rights to the league. Um, and so I think that's just hysterical that you start off and I know you're a Nike guy and you were uh, always a Nike guy, but it was just kind of funny that Chicago was Puma uh, when, when, uh, yeah, when you yeah. started off. So a uh, little, little fun things there. Um, I think the, the coolest thing I'm going to say about the Chicago fire, which I think people need to understand um, and we can get into how this became, but uh, was the impact of having you on that team. Uh, because for someone like myself that has family in Mississippi, um, 
you know, Chicago used to go and play games in Mississippi every preseason. And it was, you know, really the Justin Mapp game. And the reason that's so important is we talked about Marcus Epps and you hinted at, um, at Marlon Hairston. Those guys were ball boys. Uh, at least Marlon was, I can't speak for uh, Marcus, but he was a ball boy at these games when you would go down there and play. And, you know, uh, I think Kellen Goley is a guy that ended up signing with uh, Chicago. He was the part of the Chicago Fires Juniors in Mississippi. I know they had a, t- the, a program in Florida and I think Louisiana to kind of find some talent in these places where kids weren't getting a lot of exposure. But um, this move to Chicago, you know, we'll get into the accolades and the things that you did there. But for me, that's the biggest thing I think you can take away is that you really brought soccer and the idea of kids being able to go pro to really an entire region of the country that's just underexposed, um, you know, and that's, that's got to be pretty cool for you to walk around and carry that with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you touched on it. You know, they kind of developed this kind of, I don't know if it's a homecoming game, but somehow, you know, through um, connections or whatever, decided to have a preseason game there. So for three, four of my years there, they would, you know, we would play the last, preseason game in Jackson and you know friends and family are coming out and there's really no exposure to professional soccer there for the most part um so for MLS to come there they would bring in these stands there would be you know 10 15,000 people and um obviously me being a local kid um you know was really cool for them and just kind of a spectacle for like you said an area and a region um that just really didn't have access to much soccer or high level soccer so um, you know, kind of looking back on that. And again, you know, they, they formed some Chicago Fire Juniors in Jackson and I think uh, Fire something in Louisiana, like you said. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of cool looking back. And I knew that Marlon and them were, were ball boys. I think both of them were at that game because um, I've touched base with them, you know, obviously since I've retired and seen them back in the area. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see that and, you know, hopefully inspired some kids and, you know, just uh, brought something different that, you know, just really wasn't a thing around here. And, um, I don't know if anybody else enjoyed the trip to Mississippi, but uh, I did. And we had some crawfish boils. So watching some of the Latin Americans and, you know, players from Central America at a crawfish boil was just pure entertainment in general. And, you know, we've got these, you know, families hosting us with, you know, really thick accents and just very Southern hospitality. So <laughs> I know there was some fish out of water, but I loved it. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I still have people talking about that, you know, to, to today, friends and family and, um, you know, something I look back at fondly. So, yeah, that's awesome. And and let's talk about the success you did have in Chicago. Um, you know, that first year you already kind of mentioned you end up getting the MLS cup and you lose to a San Jose team that was really stacked. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, the Chicago teams you played on early on were about as stacked as, as they can get. Um, but y'all won the supporter shield and the open cup in your first year. Uh, you know, you end up beating the Metro Stars in New York to win the Open Cup. Um, and, you know, just talk to me a little bit about being a young guy coming in and contributing and, and, and helping a team win win some uh, some hardware. Yeah, obviously, you still – I think I was 18, you know, just coming out of D.C., but, you know, really hadn't got my career started. And, um, you know, people always ask, you know, what are some of the best teams you played on uh, 15 years? That's a lot of different teams, a lot of different faces. And, you know, I would put my first year or two in Chicago for sure that, that 2003 team up against pretty much any of them. And I think that's a team that would compete well to this day um, against some of the best teams, um, at least in my opinion. Um, 
so just going in there and learning from guys that had, you know, done it and proven themselves, Jesse Marsh, Jim Curtin, uh, uh, Chris Armas, Ante Razoff, you know, guys that are coaches in the league and around the world at this point. So you can see what sort of leadership those players have. And that's kind of progressed into the coaching game. So I think just learning from them and just learning how to be a pro and they weren't easy on you, I think was huge for my development. And, you know, sometimes it's the environment you get put into. And if I would have gone to a different environment, you know, could lead to a different path. So I think I was very fortunate to be around those guys. And um, Dave Sarakin was the coach, um, but we just had a great group, very talented, but a lot of leadership and came up a little short, but, you know, won the shield, won the open cup. Um, and again, like I said, I think that was, you know, one of the best teams I played on, um, you know, bar none for sure. Yeah. And, and I don't want to go year by year. I will, we'll touch on the, the, really the ones that have, have some monumental things that I want to talk about. 2004 was interesting because, um, y'all qualified for, uh, the CONCACAF champions league and you end up making it to the semifinals and, you know, you've played, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the big games you've played, um, you know, Saprisa away, um, you know, that's a team y'all end up getting eliminated by. Uh, but just talk to me a little bit about Champions League and, and you know, some of the some of these environments that are just uh, I don't I don't want to use the word hell, but I mean, they're they're really hard to go in and, and get a result. And you've had some experience there. Yeah, uh, experiences throughout, obviously, very early on there. So that was going into those environments. Um was very eye-opening. Obviously, you've played in Central America and all over, and you know exactly how it is. But for a lot of people that haven't been to those countries and, you know, your Central America, your Honduras, your El Salvador, places like that, I mean, it's extremely tough. And you see that in uh, how tough it is in qualifying for the men's national team. Same sort of idea. There's just so many things um, going against you from weather to fields to just – crazy rabid fans and it's just not what you deal with uh, especially early on in Chicago and you know I wasn't you know really privy to that sort of stuff and you know uh, kind of got an idea how it worked from there and some of my later um, days in MLS playing in Champions League but yeah just eye-opening and tough places to play and they make it like you said hell for you um, you know so that's why it is so hard to win you know Champions League you know obviously the Central America but your Mexico's and things like that. Just very, there are obviously good teams, but you know, the environments are just, uh, you know, stacked against you for sure. Yeah. And then we go into 2005. This is uh, arguably one of, one of your best years uh, that you had um, for club and country. Uh, but you, you, you have three goals and uh, this, this number eight in terms of assists, we'll get in that number eight and your assists, how many years you had eight assists in MLS. Um but you led the team in tons of categories. Um, you made the Open Cup final. I think you lost to L.A. I could be wrong on that. Um, but the coolest thing about this was they had a midseason MLS select team that was chosen to go play Real Madrid at the Bernabeu in Madrid uh, in the middle of the week after a weekend game. And y'all got two days <laughs> to prepare to play Zidane, Roberto Carlos, Raul, David Beckham. Ronaldo, just to name to name a couple people. Um, talk to me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll start off by saying is I think Madrid's lucky that we didn't have like three days preparation. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the result would have been much different. Uh, 
think I've read some articles since then, just over the years, like when we were set up for failure, where, yeah, they're just way, way better than us. But <laughs> you're, uh, the circumstances and logistics didn't help. But, yeah, I don't know, just some random team they put together. Um, <laughs> they're like, you're going to fly to – you've been selected, you're going to fly to play Madrid. It was awesome. Um, so, yeah, we fly over there two days, quick turnaround, midweek, packed house, the Bernabeu, and obviously we're playing one of the best teams of all time. I mean, you you named – um, you know, just a star-studded team, uh, just legends. So, uh, yeah, they they beat us pretty good. I think four zero, five zero, and yeah, we got on a plane and flew back. And uh, but I mean, it's obviously awesome stepping on the field. I, I twenty twenty one at that time. Um, and you started right. Yeah, started. I think I came off at half. I don't, you know, probably just trying to give everybody minutes. I'm not sure. You know. Um, but yeah, uh, cool experience. It's awesome. Uh, I was actually just randomly watching a ESPN Classic game, Barca and uh, Madrid from 2005. I was like, that was the team that dismantled us. Same guys. <laughs> like, I remember that. So it's funny you brought that up. Um, and yeah, cool experience. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously just got thrashed. But at the same time, they were beating other teams. Yeah. Week yeah. Same score. So, you know, who cares? Um but, yeah, it's pretty cool to say, you know, played against – I think I fouled Beckham for his free kick goal, you know, some just random stuff in that game that just, like, randomly remember. Um, but, yeah, pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's, I, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I, I remember that game and just being like, this is uh, – what an experience. I think yeah. you were – that year you were also uh, – you know, you made the MLS All-Star roster, you know, selections. Um, you know, then 2006 – you avenge your Open Cup loss the year before, and you win another championship. Uh, this time was at home. Um, I think that was the year you opened Bridgeview. Is that is, is that right? Sounds right. We went from Naperville to Soldier Field, and then, yeah, I think about four years in. So sounds about right. Uh, you were best 11 in 2006. Uh, some good company on that list. That was, uh, that was a joke about myself there. I was on that list as well. You had eight, eight assists again that year. Um, and then I think you also had eight assists for them in 2008 as well. Uh, but the cool thing about 2006 was you were the youngest player in MLS history to play a hundred games. Um, and you were still just, uh, 21 years old. So did you kind of realize at that point, um, that you, you kind of had lightning in a bottle and, and what you're doing was pretty impressive? Yeah, I think so. But, uh, I think, you know, as you were a player and you go through the years and, whatever accolades come along, you're just kind of like at that time, you're just, okay, great. I think they gave me a ball sign. Uh, I think I've got it in the closet or something, you know, hundred game, youngest to a hundred games, you know, but you don't really think about it at the time, but obviously looking back on it, it's pretty cool. Um, but obviously reaching something that young or that milestone at a young age, you know, you think, okay, well, I can do this for quite a while, hopefully. And, um, you know, so luckily he was able to, to keep it going. Yeah, and then I, I think um, I always joke around about how VAR, I would have been terrible in the VAR era, um, you know, because of the stuff I did off the ball. But I think I think that, you know, people don't realize the the margins for, uh, you know, winning and losing games and how VAR is affecting that now. And I, I can think of no other example than your battles with New England. I think y'all played something like four straight years in the semifinals um, and it, they bested you guys, I think, three of that four. But, um, you know, I know a couple of those VAR would have overturned it, uh, like the Sagaris offside call in particular where he tied the game up and, and they, they called him offsides. I mean, do you feel like 
um, you know, those, you know, talk a little bit about, you've had some, some success where you've won trophies and then you've also been to a lot of finals and you've been to a lot of things where it, you know, one, like we talked about 94th minute Mascherano scores, like you kind of had some really close calls, um, you know, talk, talk a little bit about the margin for, for winning and losing. And I mean, I don't think I've had anyone on the podcast that's, uh, that's, it's had as much success and uh, almost as much success as you have. Yeah. It's funny. You know, obviously reaching finals, we've talked about a few of those, but we couldn't get over the hump against new England. It felt like year after year. And obviously they had a great team and, um, you know, they battled some of the dynamo teams and, you know, they were, uh, had a great core group of guys as kind of we did. So you felt like the teams with that core, kind of like y'all had in Houston, different things were the ones that always kind of at the end of the day, they were going to, you know, reach the finals or get close, kind of the same culprits, um, you know. So it's tough. Like you said, a couple calls here or there, no VAR back then, you know, could be the difference in winning a championship or getting knocked out in the semifinals or, or what might be, um, you know, reaching the semifinals in the Youth World Cup. You know, it's a – you know, you're all professionals. There's a fine line and a, like you said, a small margin and a call here, a call there can, you know, change history, um, you know, for any sport, but uh, uh, you know, it's just part of, part of the journey. You win some, you lose some, and hopefully you win more at the end of the day. And, you know, you are obviously a part of a lot of winning teams. So, you know, you've been there and done that. Um, but yeah, it is, it's funny looking back at just always thinking of new England at that time, or just kind of a stretch of four or five years is just, they always seem to best this and they're always close heated games and, um, you know, 12 and scored a bicycle kick. I forget what year that was, um, you know, to kind of knock us out. Um, so I just felt like they always kind of got the best of us and, uh, you know, what could have yeah, been. So, yeah, well, I feel like y'all did that to us in DC. It was, it was you guys eliminating us. So, um, you know, and we lost to new England as well. Um, but it's crazy. Uh, you know, you guys had some amazing squads. You kind of hinted earlier at how many guys are now, coaches not just in MLS but uh, you know Jesse's uh, coaching in Champions League these days um you know it's funny because as the expansion of the league happened some of these powerhouse teams that were stacked you know it kind of diluted uh the talent on each team and in your case it was uh you know you you were there long enough to kind of see it going from I'm playing for championships every year to um you know a little bit of hardship uh the interesting thing that I loved was you played with uh, Blanco and it's funny because you talked about guys coming to Mississippi, but I know that you went down to Mexico with Blanco and I, I read somewhere you talked about uh, just that experience. Can you talk a little bit about how, how big that guy is in terms of larger than life personalities? Yeah, just a character. But, you know, as far as Mexico and what he means to, you know, not just Mexican soccer, but just literally an icon there. Um, so I think two or three years in a row, we went on preseason trips, basically, you know, kind of how they did in Mississippi, but much larger scale. We would kind of tour around Mexico, make different stops, play some games, uh, let the fancy Blanco, you know, people are coming up with tattoos of him on his back, on their backs, like full fledged. He did the Mexican, whatever uh, his goal celebration. I mean, he was just a literally a rock star and uh, just a crazy dude in general, um, who I know people hated playing against, but, you know, to have him on your team is pretty special player. Um, even at his, his age when he was there, uh, in Chicago. Um, so we had some good, good times with him, but yeah, he was, uh, just a, just a crazy, crazy dude, but a good guy deep down. And, um, 
and yeah, the trips to Mexico were just pretty insane to see. You knew he was big. You've heard of him. Um, but to see him, you know, amongst, you know, Mexicans uh, in person was pretty, pretty crazy how, you know, just, you know, insane they went for him. So that was pretty, pretty wild to see uh, in person. Yeah. And then, and, and as I hinted at, uh, as you know, you played for Dave Sarakin for a long time and then you kind of had some uh, coaching changes uh, and you, you kind of, I think, experienced something similar um, in Montreal. Just talk to, you know, I know you talk to a lot of kids now and uh, you, you, you help coaching kind of talk about what it was like to experience different. I mean, you've played for so many coaches from the youth national team uh, to the full national team. You played for a couple of coaches. Um, you know, what's it like playing for, for different guys and how did Justin Mapp uh, go about, you know, you, you know, dealing with different coaches and, you know, you, you're kind of a, you seem to me and I played, I played a little bit with you, but it's a little different in the club level versus the national team level. Um, you know, you're kind of a quiet guy, but you know, how do you, how do you go about your business dealing with coaches, especially when you've had several of them? Yeah, it's always, um, you know, coaching change comes in, it kind of resets the clock kind of for everybody. Everyone's kind of on, you know, you might have a name or you're kind of established, but it, you know, everyone's kind of back on equal footing and Hey, I need to establish myself. And that might become in the off season that, you know, I think several times happened in the middle of the year, um, several coaching changes in Chicago. Um, and I think as I went along throughout my career, having different coaches is I think just try to remember what you do well as a player, uh, what you bring and what's you've had success with in the past. And that's kind of what I tell my kids. Um, you know, each coach has a different place they come from, different culture, different way of, you know, some of my coaches didn't speak English, had a translator, whatever it might be, different philosophy, different style, some more rigid, some more players coach. Um, whatever it might be, I think just trying to remember what you do well and and trying, you know, it's cliche or whatever, just show your qualities on a daily basis and control what you can control because, you know, again, they're all coming from different places, different backgrounds, different – some played, some didn't, some coached in different countries and all see it a little bit different. Um, and, you know, you got to try and find a way to, again, adapt and, and show your worth, um, which is not – always easy because one coach might have loved you and the next guy has no idea who you are and now okay I've, I've got to kind of reestablish myself on the fly um you know so I think you just realize control what you can control at the end of the day and um just try and try and show why you're you're out there and um you know that was kind of my mindset I guess um you know over time yeah and then talk to me about you know you get traded uh to Philly for in 2010 for some allocation money did did you did you want to be traded? Did you have any idea it was going to happen? Were you were you kind of uh, ready for a new new opportunity, new change of scenery? Yeah, I mean, it came a surprise. Obviously, you've been somewhere for so long, you just kind of get in the not rut, but just I've uh, never been under threat of being traded or anything before. Been here forever. You just kind of feel like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. Um, so, kind of, I think they told me on like a Friday, randomly. You know, me and the, the coach that was there, uh, I think it's Carlos De Los Cobos, uh, Mexican coach, and just kind of wasn't really playing, not really seeing eye to eye, and uh, maybe not my best form. So maybe it was time to just kind of change the scenery. You know, I was in Chicago for seven years. That's quite a while. So, um, you know, would have loved to stay, but, hey, we're going to trade you. They said, we'll let you know on Monday. Spent the weekend at home and came in on Monday, and they said, you know, you're going to go to Philly. And so, well – you know, you know how it is, just pack your bags and 
Um, you'll sort out the rest of it later, but you go stay in a hotel for a couple weeks, figure out a place to live. And, you know, we're still, I think it was in July, so mid-season. So, you, again, just like coaching change, there's a coaching change right there to a new team. And um, now you're going into, you know, from a locker room you've been in for seven years to a new locker room, new guys, new scenery. And, again, you're trying to establish yourself, um, you know, kind of on the fly. So uh, kind of came out of nowhere. But, again, I think maybe at the end of the day, it's probably time for just a change and, um, you know, just uh, something different. Yeah, and Peter Novak's the coach that traded for you. Um, you know, I think you had some experience with him with the national team. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But, um, you know, Philly, I think you came in kind of in the season. You find you start finding your feet. You do pretty well the next year. Um, and then you're kind of left unprotected. Um, you know, did that come as a surprise to you that, that they didn't protect you? Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, I mean, I think I had a pretty decent year, nothing, you know, kind of mediocre, nothing great, nothing too bad. So I think maybe, uh, based on maybe the salary I was on or something, um, don't really remember the exact, but, you know, maybe didn't come as a huge surprise, but, um, you know, let next thing you know, you're unprotected. So, hey, okay, well, here we go again. We'll see what happens. Um, and then Jesse takes me, obviously, have a familiarity with him. And, you know, I was still, I think, 26, 27. So I was still at a pretty good age. Um, and, you know, he calls me and says he wants to bring me to Montreal. What do I think? And I said, well, you know, if you want me, let's do it. Um, you know, so that's kind of how that came about, expansion draft. And, you know, so, you know, not in Philly too long. And, you know, like you said, next thing you know, I'm, you know, on the move again, you know, up to Canada. So, well, and, and talk to me a little bit about a, a, the expansion draft or not the expansion, but going to an expansion team. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever met anyone that other than, other than people that played for Chivas. Uh, I don't think I've met anyone that didn't enjoy the experience, um, you know, and, and I want I'll get into Montreal a little bit and what they how they've continued to involve you and involve their former players, which I think is just completely um, awesome. But just talk to me about going to an expansion team and, you know, a, a guy from Mississippi uh, living in, uh, you know, in a city where French is, is spoken. And now you're, you know, you're not too far from the U.S., but you're almost like living in another whole nother country because you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd always heard of Montreal, but I didn't even know, you know, where it was on a map whenever, uh, you know, they told me. Um you know, so next thing you know, yeah, you're, it's French. So I started reading about it and looking it up and um, looks like a great city. Um, you know, you're only about 45 minutes from the U.S. border right there, just north of uh, upstate New York. So you're really not too far away. But, you know, as soon as you get into to uh, Quebec, it everything changes from, uh, you know, metric system and all that stuff. And, you know, French signage right away. So it's, uh, you know, you're in it real quick. Um, and yeah, I just remember driving up there in a, uh, Nissan Maxima on like a random night. It was like six feet of snow blizzard. I've got two wheel drive driving by myself. And I'm just like, I'm just about to die out here. <laughs> it was like January. So we're about to start the season. And I'm just this kid from Mississippi, like two wheel drive, you know, I lived in Chicago, but just the winter weather up there was just a whole different level. And, uh, somehow I, I made it going like 15 miles per hour through upstate New York and into Montreal. Um, so I was like, you know, where am I, where am I going? What am I doing? 
Um, and you find it, finally get to the hotel. And, you know, next thing you know, it's, you know, you're meeting your other, uh, you know, expansion drafts, uh, teammates and some I knew from the league, some I didn't, uh, you know, Jesse Marsh is up there. So, you know, familiarity with him, but, you know, um, you just felt like you're in Europe, but, you know, it's, you know, a little bit of a North American vibe as well. So it's pretty unique city. Um, and, and yeah, so going to it, just kind of, well, we'll see what happens and, you know, open mind and, um, you know, ended up enjoying it, but, uh, it was an interesting transition for sure. So, yeah. And, and you, you did great there. Um, you know, I thought, you know, you, you had an amazing run. You won two Canadian championships and both, both of those championships, you were awarded the George Cross Memorial trophy, uh, which is the trophy given to the most outstanding player for the, uh, for the, the tournament. Um, I think 2013 and 14, you both had, uh, you had eight assists again in both of those. Um, you were an MLS all-star, I think, selection again in 13. Um, and the important thing there is in 2014, you reached uh, the 20,000 minute mark, uh, which is just, you know, you start thinking about looking back, you're like, man, I spent a lot of time uh, playing professional soccer at that point, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, getting toward the latter part of my career, so some of those, you know, I guess milestones or accolades just kind of come along the way that you're not even really aware of. And obviously you said, you know, the 20,000 minutes and um, eventually I think like 300 games. Um, and you're like, wow, I've, I've spent a lot of time on a soccer field uh, in my life, uh, whether practicing or playing in a game. Um, so it really is, you know, it's become a huge part of your life. But, yeah, uh, I think I kind of refound my – you know, not to get to that and kind of refound my form, uh, my best form from, you know, a little bit earlier day, Chicago. And then I think I found my best form just as a, as a professional in my three or four years in, in Montreal and had some good teams, ups and downs. And obviously, you know, as you know, expansion teams, um, it's always tough first year. Um, but, you know, uh, played with some great players up there. Uh, had Italian ownership. So, you know, we're bringing in a lot of Italians and, um, they're going after big European stars and able to bring in some of those, your Drogba's and, and Nesta's and, um, you know, Devayo's. So some pretty interesting characters up there and, you know, some great players as well. Um, you know, so I, I really look back at my time in Montreal pretty fondly for sure. Yeah. And you talked about you did reach the 300 game milestone. You were the youngest player to ever do that um, at the time. And, um, you know, that coincided with with. Drogba, uh, I think it was your your 300th game was against your former team, Philly. And I think that was Drogba's, uh, you know, first game. So sellout crowd to watch you get to 300, obviously. Um, and then the funniest mm -hmm. thing, the best story I can tell you, and it's kind of defines you in my mind as a player, was we played you guys in D.C. Um, and we had this, I think he ended up going to Montreal, so you might know him. We had this coach named Enzo. And uh, we had Italian, like, we basically had some Italian connections where this guy became an MLS coach, like an assistant, but he had, like, no clue what MLS was or didn't know a single player or anything. And uh, we played you guys after, and after you, you just, you lit us up, you torched us. And after the game, he was like, who is this guy? He's like, this has got to be the best player in the league, right? Like, he's a he's a, one of these de designated players. And uh, we were like, yeah, I mean, he's talented. He's not a designated player. But uh, and he was like, <laughs> he was like convinced he was going to take you to Italy. He was like, oh, when I get get this guy, I'm going to take him to Italy. And 
And then he went to Montreal and we were laughing because we're like, he's probably going to try to talk Sippy into, into going to Italy with him. But, um, you know, that's for me, it's one of those things I say at the beginning of the podcast, like at any given moment, um, you know, you could take over a game. You can you can put a guy like me on my butt and score a goal. And, um, you know, so that's a that's kind of a fun story that we got a big kick out of that. This guy had no clue who what the league was. And, and he saw you for the first time and was just blown away, um, you know, which I like- thought was pretty cool. Guy's been around for four. Now he's he's. Off. No, <laughs> you know, I, said, I, I said I said you got to hit him off, punch him off the ball, and kind of get a make him uncomfortable. Because if not, yeah. he gets if he gets comfortable, you're in for a long night. So, um, you know, I talked a little bit about Montreal, what the things they do for former players. I know you went up and participated in a legends match with uh with Patrice, and y'all mm-hmm. played Ronaldinho and and his Brazilian friends. Um, you know, I think, I think when we were there for a game, I saw you were on a billboard. Um, you know, it's like, I feel like Montreal does a really good job with their players, not only the current ones, but the former ones. And I feel like you, you have, uh, you know, even though I associate you with Chicago more than anything, I kind of put Montreal in that thing for you and, and, and that you're kind of a, an impact for life, you know, if that makes sense. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, Look at it the same way. Obviously, spent majority of my time in Chicago and a lot of success there. And you know, it's a little bit further away because it's you know earlier part of my career. But uh, for some reason, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I think I had some of my better years in in Montreal. So um, you know, I think for some reason, just kind of hit it off with the fan base, and um, they seem to really like me, and we have a pretty good connection, and you know, through Twitter and different things like that. And some of these events, you know, post-retirement, um, I've always gotten a lot of love and feedback from them. Um, or it's what it's felt like for me. So I feel like I have a pretty strong connection with them and, um, you know, however that came about, but, you know, I, I'd put Montreal right there with Chicago, even though it was, uh, you know, about half the time, um, you know, between again, I think playing, you know, some of the best soccer that I played, uh, throughout my career. And, you know, for whatever reason, just, um, you know, I think they're pretty prideful fans, um, you know, so when you show love back and, you know, um, you know, players trying to speak French in interviews and things like that, I feel like they really uh, appreciate that and, you know, um, kind of look at you as an impact player for life. Um, so I completely agree with that. And, um, you know, that's kind of why I also hold, you know, Montreal is, you know, pretty fondly looking back on it. Awesome. Um, and then, it's interesting because your time when it came to an end there, I know they offered, I think they offered you a deal, but um, you know, you go from being a project 40 guy and you know, then you get, you get traded a couple times and you go through the expansion draft. Um, you know, then you really kind of set another milestone and you were the first player in MLS history um, to sign a free agent deal. And you sign that with, with sporting Kansas city. Um, you know, that's, in the, in the history of things. And I'm, you know, obviously this is the MLS PA podcast and I'm really proud of what we were able to achieve in getting free agency. Um, mm-hmm. So for you to be the first guy to sign a deal of your choice, um, you know, that had to be pretty cool in your book. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a cool experience. And obviously <laughs> I think whatever the, the contract was at that time, you know, there was only a handful of us that actually qualified for it uh, at that time. You know, you had to play like eight years and um, all this criteria that, you know, you really had to be around a long time to, to, to um, you know, earn that. So 
Um, I felt like at that point I had earned the right to kind of choose. So it was pretty cool to be the first to do that. And obviously uh, kind of went there injured and, you know, my time in Kansas city didn't last long, but um, you know, that process was cool kind of being uh, sought after and taking a few different trips to these different clubs and hearing their spiels, almost like a college recruiting trip. Um, so it was kind of, it was a pretty cool experience and um, one I really enjoyed at the time and, you know, having that flexibility and freedom, you know, which, for 14 years, you know, you know, you really don't have. So, um, you know, that was pretty neat. And your son was born there. Is that, am I right on that? Yeah. My son was born in Montreal. Um, so obviously another big reason why I love Montreal and, you know, so he's, he's Canadian, uh, by birth and, uh, yeah, he was born there in 2016. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, let's, let's, I, I, I was going to talk, you know, we can, I know you went on, you talked about injuries, um, you know, didn't didn't play a whole lot in, in Kansas City. Um, I think you went on trial. If I remember, you were on trial with or, or, uh, Orlando for a kind of a longer trial in terms of you were there a little bit of time more than most guys get. And and then I think you decided to hang them up. Is that is that right? Yeah. So sporting ended and still kind of battling a turf toe. Um, just a an injury that just lingered and lingered even that came from Montreal and lasted a lot longer. And um, so I really did here, went on a little trial. They had a spot in uh, Orlando, I think one roster spot. Um, CJ Brown was down there. So kind of got in contact with him. Christ, who I knew a little bit, um, you know, they didn't end up offering me a contract and, you know, kind of went back, went back home and, you know, thought about it some more, had a couple potential opportunities, you know, uh, USL, um, maybe a couple other MLS teams, but uh, just decided to hang them up. You know, body was shot coming off a of turf toe and some other injuries and figured, hey, I've had a good run. It didn't really feel like bouncing around too much, <laughs> too much longer. So, um, as you know, you got to got to call it a day at some point. So um, that was kind of how it ended. Yeah. And, and then before we, you know, I, I went through your MLS stuff. I'd said we'd bring up some some national team stuff. I think 2005 was your first cap. Um, I think you played Panama and New England. Uh, mm -hmm. My first, I think we were in camp together for the January camp. I think this was with Bruce. Um, I think I was a replacement for guys that got injured, but um, you know, you, you play a handful of games, you've got Bob Bradley taking over and you get some experience with him. I know you, you were part of like the dual group, meaning you were the 2007 gold cup uh, group. And then you hung around. Um, and I was a part of this group that went down to Copa America and, and, and Venezuela. And that was a pretty cool experience. You played in all three games. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of success, but uh, we did play uh, a heck of a Argentinian team and, and Paraguay was pretty good too. Um, yeah. I, I know you've also played in world cup qualifying and you hinted at um, what it's like, you know, going on the road and playing certain games, just talk a little bit uh, what it's like representing your country at the biggest levels, you know, you represented it at the youth level and then you, you, you escalate to the senior level. Uh, you are, I think, as far as I know, you're the only first and only player from the state of Mississippi to represent the full men's national team, but just kind of, kind of talk us through what it's, what it's like to wear. I think it's this Jersey is one of the ones you wore, um, you know, you know, and how cool that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, on it, you know, we, we had the tournament, uh, Copa America, and what a cool experience that was. Uh, although not a lot of success, we played again, I think one of the best teams ever assembled. Somehow, I always got on the wrong end of the stick with that one. Uh, <laughs> playing some great players, but like best 
teams of all time. Uh, so got, you know, thumped again, but, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, however many caps it was, I had, you know, eight or so, um, you know, just looking back on it, youth team, that's all great and stuff. But when you finally reach, you know, the pinnacle, uh, you know, whether it's one cap or a hundred caps, um, just super special, um, which, which, you know, obviously, and especially coming from a place like Mississippi, Hey, you know, no one's ever done this. And, um, you know, hopefully there'll be another one at some point, but, uh, to say I'm the only one and first one to do that from, you know, where I'm from, um, to reach it kind of to, you know, the pinnacle, um, of professional soccer, you know, outside of club, but to represent your country, um, you know, like I said, once or a million times, um, was just pretty awesome and probably my, my favorite memory of of just high level or professional soccer in general um, just doing that and uh, again just the places you get to go and playing against again the best players in the world um, win or lose it's you know I think what I look back on you know uh, as my best memory so yeah and, and uh, you kind of hinted at some injuries um, you know you've had some I feel like you had, a, I think, a wrist or elbow issue once, and then you talk about mm -hmm. turf toe. Obviously, with the way you played, you're, you know, very, very, very fast and tricky, so you get kicked a lot. You had ankle injuries, knee injuries. Um, but you played 20 or more games in 10 of the 15 seasons that you played in MLS. Um, and I always ask guys that have retired, you know, now how their bodies are holding up. Um, you know, how, how are you doing now, uh, both mentally and physically? Uh, physically pretty good. I mean, I, I still, my, my toe still bothers me a little bit. I think, you know, just kind of like arthritis, but overall body feels pretty good. Good. I fractured and dislocated my elbow surgically repaired. I mean, I can't straighten it, but it still works. So that's a good thing. Um, uh, but yeah, otherwise body's fine. Um, you know, no real lasting effects otherwise. And mentally I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, I think it was a little bit of a struggle, first year or so just leaving the games. I mean, I didn't really know anything else, but just being able to mentally put that part of my life past me and um, obviously still love it, still watch it, still stay connected, but just, Hey, I'm not, not, not in that world anymore. And um, I know it's easier and, you know, harder for other guys um, to, to leave the game, but um, I think I've finally moved past that. And, you know, I miss, miss certain parts of it, but like you said, the, you know, the injuries and travel and some of that stuff, it, it, it's a grind, as you know, and, um, you know, you know, miss the games and stuff, but some of it, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's over. So, um, yeah. And you kind of talked about travel and I, I saw you got your, your B license, um, and it, and you're, you, you know, you are, you kind of hinted at being on Twitter with the Montreal fans. You're also on Instagram. Um, so yeah. if you, if you like hearing from, uh, you know, this, this podcast, you like Justin, follow him on, on both of those platforms but you posted a thing about your B license and you said you had to travel 4,000 miles. Is, well, what was that about? Well, no, I was just uh, from Mississippi. We had to go to Kansas city three different times. Um, oh, okay. Um, okay. And we're just, just there and back. No, I mean, not like that was a lot compared to what I've traveled in the past, but <laughs> to get the license, it was all, you'd have to go there for a week, uh, three different times. So just, uh, um, I guess a lot of, I think a lot of it's done virtual now because of COVID, but, I uh, did it in 2019, so um, just had to travel to their, I guess, learning center um, three different times. So, yeah, and and you are coaching now. I know you work with boys and girls. Um, I've seen you've done a lot of speaking engagements, which is which is really cool. And I, I think you have just a, a world of knowledge that no one else does. Um, you have Justin Map Soccer, 
where you, you advertise training like a pro, um, you know, what, what's next for you? I mean, are you, you know, when you have the B license and you put that out in the world, I, I think, you know, a guy of, of your, uh, your demeanor and, and your knowledge of the game, um, you know, are you, are you looking to get an MLS job if it comes knocking or are you, you happy in, in, in Jackson, just staying in Mississippi and, and influencing the youth there? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy where I'm at. I obviously just kind of leaving all the doors open. I've, you know, I've had a couple of potential opportunities here and there. Um, ones that, you know, just didn't feel right at the time, um, you know, kind of in the last few years that I've, you know, been retired. Uh, so the door is always open. I think just getting my B so that, you know, a lot of these, whether it's youth academies, whatever it might be, they, they like you to have that. So just kind of have that on the resume. And um, I'm not really sure. I, I think I like coaching. I think doing this kind of separate Justin Mapp soccer was kind of a way for me to even see if I like coaching or being around the youth or, Maybe I hate it or it's not for me. So I think that's kind of, hey, I'm going to take a step back um, and just see if I like coaching in general, So, um, which I do. Um, so we'll see where it goes with. I'm doing a little scouting with MLS now, uh, with MLS Next, um, maybe a little bit with U.S. soccer in this coming year uh, for their youth teams. Um, so I don't know, just kind of keeping all doors open and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but definitely want to stay connected to the game for sure. Yeah, well, listen, I, I said it before, um, you know, I think you're, you're one of the most talented players to ever, uh, you know, this country's ever produced. And um, I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time. Um, and I just, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I, I wish you nothing but the best with the coaching. I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where you land. Cause I think you're, you're going to land somewhere pretty good. And uh, but again, thank you for coming on. I know the fans are going to uh, love hearing from you and, and hearing that you're doing well. Appreciate it, Bobby. Thanks for having me. And uh, great to see you again. And uh, enjoyed uh, catching up on some some good memories for sure. And that's Justin Mapp, everybody. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.